0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: I thought we'd be there for four or five days. Ended up being there 11 days, you know. Thought we'd do four or 5,000 meals and did that the first lunch service that we were there. And thought, you know, there's a huge need. We're not a bunch of fat barbecue guys sitting on the corner with a couple
0: of Weber grills. (laughs) All right, you ready? Let's go. From Fox 4 News in Kansas City. Are we rolling? Are we on? Hello? Hello. I'm Nick (laughs) Vasos. This is Signal Hill. Playing with smoke and fire fuels his passion for creating new dishes along with classic barbecue and CNN named him as one of the top 10 heroes of 2017. Stan Hayes of Operation Barbecue Relief is on Signal Hill. Stan, it is great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Nick, for having me. This uh, you guys uh, reached a milestone recently on uh, feeding those who have been going through a disaster. What's what's the grand total up to now, Stan?
1: So we're just over one point seven seven million
0: hot barbecue meals served since 2011. Any any (laughs) any idea in the wild in your wildest dreams you ever thought you would serve that many meals?
1: You know, it, it wasn't till probably about two years ago when we were sitting down in Hammond, Louisiana when we actually saw the, uh, you know, that we were probably going to hit a million, you know, and uh, um, to sit there and look at 2016, 2017 numbers to see that we did a million, uh, you know, just almost a million um, and a half, you know, million two, I guess it was in two years. Um, no, I had no idea. I mean, sitting in a parking lot in Joplin, Missouri, just trying to help people um, with a hot barbecue meal was what we started with.
0: That's where it all started. Uh, you and uh, your co-founder, Will Cleaver, started Operation Barbecue Relief. What was the conversation between you two? that made you decide to do, do all of this.
1: Yeah, so, so there's three co-founders. You know, uh, Jeff Stith is the third one who's no longer active, but it was actually a conversation that Jeff and I had the morning after the Joplin tornado that said, hey, uh, got an idea. Uh, what do you think? And he was like, man, I was trying to figure out a way that we could help down there. I think that's a great idea. And, and really it was, let's get bring the barbecue community together. Let's bring our barbecue competition, barbecue friends uh, that we're competing with in a parking lot any given weekend, let's bring them together to go down to Joplin and help people. I mean, who better to go set up in a parking lot than a bunch of barbecue guys that do it any given weekend with minimal needs? And that was the start of it. I mean, you, we threw up a Facebook page saying, hey, we're going to go. We started putting it out there to our friends. And, you know, Will was one of the first people that said, hey, I'm, I'm coming, and came down there, and and uh, really, you know, his project management background is what really got us going in in, in a in a uh, um, positive direction as far as trying to get things organized and and get it out. You know, I, I'm sort of the mouth, if you will, but he he was the the brains about you know getting everything put together in in a structured way,
0: and uh, that's how it all started. Logistics is always a hard thing in the times of disasters and I imagine it required some logistical work on your behalf to try to find a a safe way to get in there and feed the people who need it.
1: Yeah so you know prior life is in insurance industry and uh, you know I went to the company I was working for at the time and said hey um, we're thinking about doing this, you know, are you guys set up in an area that has a big enough area we could maybe steal a corner of the parking lot or do something in. And, and after, you know, some going back and forth, uh, they were in a huge parking lot right on the edge of the devastation. Uh, and it was actually the corner of seventh and range line there in Joplin. And uh, we went in and set up what looked like a contest, you know, with all these competition barbecue rigs and things. We, we didn't have what we've got today as far as large equipment. And, uh, I you know, thought we'd be there for 4 or 5 days, ended up being there 11 days, you know, thought we'd do 4 or 5,000 meals and did that the first lunch service that we were there and thought, you know, there's a huge need. There's a huge need from the time the disaster happens till the time the community and the larger sustaining organizations can get there and really start helping the community, that gap has to be filled. And, you know, that's really how this all started. You know, we saw this gap and we just Wanted to cover that gap, and, and that's what, what we've done now. And I think northern, the Northern California wildfires was our fiftieth disaster.
0: Wow, we want to talk about that? But how many teams came together on that initial disaster in Joplin? Man, I tell you, You know,
1: I, we had uh, nine states represented. Um, we had competition guys from Texas, from Georgia, from obviously Kansas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, um, a guy from Pennsylvania that flew in. Um, and so we probably, we figure we were doing about 100, 100 volunteers a day, and that, a lot of them were from the community, but we had set up this, you know, like I said, this camp. And we probably at any given time had 15 to 20 different barbecue teams that rolled in to help, whether it was for a day or it was for five days and uh, you know um, it really shows the true spirit of the barbecue community it's, it's a huge family uh, we call it the barbecue
0: family and everybody's got their own little spin own little taste on barbecue and uh, I don't know if this seems like an insensitive question but does, does everybody have their own taste or did you make one kind of barbecue for everybody
1: so you know At that point, it was whatever we got donated, whatever we could find. Um, There's a lot more consistency today, Um, you know, where we're bringing the equipment, we're bringing the rub, we're bringing the, and just looking for people to come and and, uh, fill roles.
0: How many people are volunteer for Operation Barbecue Relief now?
1: You know, if we look at the number of volunteer days out there, the total volunteer days over the last, you know, since 2011, um, you're looking at, I think, we're just over 6,700 people that have been on site, you know, and given their time, their heart, you know, and, and a lot of times their own money to be there and, and help people. Um, of that, we probably have what I would say, you know, three to 400 really core. I mean, these are people that will travel. These are people that, that, you know, follow what we do, share what we do, and are actively engaged in the organization. When
0: a disaster happens... Uh, and you mentioned the, the wildfires in, in Northern California. How do you decide what goes into a decision about deploying a team? Sure,
1: that's, that's probably you know, the second question after did you ever think. Um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, no, it, it's a great question because not, not every time does a community need exterior help, meaning it doesn't always need an organization to come in from outside to heal itself. Um, it might be that there was damage to residential areas, but the entire commercial district might be open and they're opening up their restaurants, the churches, the civic centers, and they want to take care of themselves. And, and, you know, uh, we have a true belief that the community really doesn't start healing until it takes over that role of taking care of itself. And so we're there to fill that gap. And if there's not a gap to fill, if there isn't a need for mass feeding for us to come in is sort of, uh, you know, we're sort of inserting ourselves into a community situation that may not be needed. So we really look at the, that need first. And and if we find a need, you know, for that feeding, then we're going to start looking for the location and and the logistical side of things. But that first thing is we got to find the need.
0: Hmm. Stan Hayes from Operation Barbecue Relief is our guest on Signal Hill. And so uh, is the most recent place you've been in northern california where those wildfires are? Yes. Uh, and, and how many people did you serve up there?
1: Uh, so we did uh, 20,553
0: meals over 9 days. And were you there personally just yeah. to see some of the devastation? Now you've seen have you seen a wildfire devastation like that before?
1: I have not seen it that closely before. Um, you know well i take that back last year during the the napa uh, santa rosa fires i i did see it but this was different i mean those were you know two separate fires that we i was going back and forth so i mean every day i'd go through drive through an area that had fresh burn um you know uh, i saw vineyards that you know small family vineyards that are gone um you know, then you go up to Redding and you're, you've got a lot more forest. And so you, you see the other side of it. This was, you know, more vineyard land and rolling hills. You get up there into the, you know, bigger hills, these bigger areas. And it really was, um, you know, no, no disaster is the same. And, and even with wildfires, I mean, you, you see house on this side of the road, you know, that's gone, just Leveled, And on the other side of the road, you know, they used that as the fire break, and they were able to stop the fire right there. And so the neighbor across the street perfectly, you know, I'm sure he's got some smoke and everything else, Mm -hmm. but his house is still standing.
0: Wow. That's how indiscriminate disasters can be. We've seen that with tornadoes, too. Yeah, absolutely. One house gone, the other one uh, still there. And it's just heartbreaking to see those the, the pictures of the wildfires where the whole property's been reduced to nothing but ash. It,
1: it is, you know, it's, it, you know, that during a tornado, there's possibly a chance that you're going to find some of your keepsakes, some of your memories um, in the rubble around the house, you know, um, and everything. But a fire like that, there, there's really no chance. Um, as hot as it is, there's no fire safe or anything like that that's really going to be able to keep your 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 uh, possessions that are in the house for that amount
0: of time that that fire was gone and you're serving in, in these situations here you're serving
1: whom who are you serving so we're, we're serving the people that have been affected the people that have evacuated their homes and and the workers that are helping in those areas and, and then the first responders I mean you know we did a lot with the the pg you know power company out there uh, making sure their guys were fed i mean these guys were all these guys were on the front lines out there trying to get power poles back up i mean got evacuated when the the fire jumped a ridge line and, and came back around i mean right to their laydown yard that they were working from that we had been you know the day before just delivered meals to i'd gone out on that delivery um so when you hear things like that and you think about you you get to talk to a couple of these guys and they're you know been 12 hour day in the heat and and battling you know trying to get people back because I mean they want to do just what we want to do they want to help the people as much as we want to help and so making sure that those those guys that are you know spending the long hours uh the the people from the National Forest Service you know they there's a lot of people that get forgotten um not just the firemen and don't get me wrong the firemen do I mean I I wouldn't want that job you know, I wouldn't want to be out there fighting this fire and, and putting my life on the line. So if I can give them a comfort comfort meal, you know, mm-hmm. a little pulled pork and and you know some you know uh, something that just shows that hey, there's more out there than just a, you know a cold cut sandwich. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. What do you serve mostly? So a lot of pork. We, we serve a lot of pork. You know, um, local company here is one of our biggest supporters in Seaboard Foods, and and uh, um, they've been one of the larger donors that you know. Um, the last couple of years and, and helping make sure we've been able to feed those, you know, over a million meals in the last two years.
0: So between disasters, whether it's uh, Hurricane Harvey or the fires in Northern uh, California, what do you guys do in your downtime? Yeah, that, that's
1: that's another great question because a lot of people think we just come back and hey, we're just waiting for the next one. But there's a lot of there's a lot of coordination that go into fixing things. You know, getting things restocked. We have to we have, a lot of times we have to go out and find and procure additional items that we've ran through because we only have so much warehousing space at our warehouse here. And so we have to try to backfill all of those things, you know, and that's an ongoing process. But the other thing we started a couple years ago that we started noticing is is, you know, in between disasters, if we don't keep our volunteers engaged, you know, they're going to go look to do something else somewhere. And so we started doing what we called a day of giving. And a day of giving is a day in any community out there where we can give back where we can engage our volunteers, where we can use it as an educational piece to maybe train them on a piece of equipment or train them on a processes and really um, educate them in OBR, if you will. And uh, so we started doing that and this last year um with the cnn hero stuff and the different some different classes and some things that I, i i got to go to as part of that you know i really noticed the inconsistency of our program if you think about it we're we're sitting back waiting for the next disaster and we're not taking credit for these day of givings that we were doing you know that was our internal piece to keep people engaged and uh um, what you find is foundations out there look at you, your inconsistency of, hey, you're just sitting back. What, what are you going to do if there isn't a disaster? And so we, we're making strides to solidify two new programs underneath this. Um, one is going to be around military and veterans, and that's because about 80 to 85 percent of everything that we had done up to that point for two years in these day of givings, either fell around the veteran military. Mm-hmm. Or the fight on hunger, helping, you know, in communities, uh, whether it's on Thanksgiving, serving the homeless. Uh, you know, w- two years ago, we, we, you know, worked with a group that rented a hall. And, you know, it was tablecloth service, and you were they were served at the table. It wasn't a food line. They weren't going through a soup kitchen. You know, we treated them, you know, to something special on Thanksgiving Day. Um And, you know, we last year between Thanksgiving and Christmas and 12 different communities, um, we did over 20,000 meals for homeless people that just wouldn't have gotten a hot meal during those times that needed one. And so those two programs between that and then, you know, going out and whether it's a National Guard unit that is getting ready to deploy or just Maybe returning from deployment at, at you know some some location across the country where we're feeding them and their families, you know, giving them either a great send off or a great homecoming. Um, we're act- actively working right now with uh, Fort Bragg, the largest military installation in the United States, at doing their fall festival. So we're going to go out there and do barbecue for their fall festival. But we had you know an idea that several guys brainstorming came up with, and that's doing a OBR boot camp and it's going to be a barbecue boot camp for military and veteran groups uh, where we teach them about the basics of grilling uh, smoking and what barbecue is really like because it's a huge family just like they see you know when they're in you know when they are in and so as we started explaining what we wanted to do to the higher ups at Fort Bragg, they loved the idea of being able to engage the you know the troops, engage them in in a fun way. We're going to do a little competition. We'll do a little bragging rights at Bragg, you know, <laughs> um, event um, that because we're going to have 50 men and women from 10 different units. So we'll you know and. I, It's just like barbecue guys or anybody else that's competitive. These guys are ultra competitive. You know, they'll run more for that little plaque than if there was money out there just to be able to say, I beat you. And and so that's what we want to do. We want to show that camaraderie that also comes from the barbecue side because one of the things that we know is each one of them probably have that date circled
0: on there, you know on their calendar of when they're looking to get out. And that I can't tell you what a fantastic idea that is. So this would be the first time that you've gotten, you're going to get all of these military servicemen and women together uh, to do this, right?
1: Yeah, this will be our first barbecue boot camp. We did earlier this year um, working with the Gary Sinise Foundation and the Robert Irvine Foundation. We did go to Walter Reed, which was a huge opportunity. Um, to go feed the men and women that have been injured and those caregivers and their families um, you know, up there in Maryland. And, and it, was, uh, it was an amazing event for us. Um, plus, I got to bring in 40 volunteers that had never been on a deployment and train them on the equipment. So I got to train people, and we'll do the same thing at Fort Bragg. We're going to bring in people that haven't been on a deployment or maybe haven't been on a deployment in a while And train them on the new equipment that we have and the processes that we've put in place so we're engaging the volunteers we're educating the volunteers and we're giving back all at once
0: and those servicemen and women uh, camaraderie is a big thing among their their fellow brothers and sisters uh, who have been out there fighting for our country uh, we're we are uh, chatting with Stan Hayes here of Operation Barbecue Relief. Let's talk about some of the improvements that you have made to your organization, sure. including, uh, I, I guess, starting with the equipment. You you yeah. mentioned that a couple of times. You've got some, <laughs> you, you, I mean, to feed that many people, you got to have some yeah. large equipment, right?
1: Yeah. So you know, and uh, during Hurricane Harvey, we had up to twelve to thirteen high capacity, you know, commercial pits going. Um, you know, we did. I think. Five days in a row, over 35,000
0: meals a day. Give us an idea about how much food you can cook in one of those commercialized pits here. How much so, of food are we talking?
1: You're talking about 750 pounds of meat at a time. Oh. Um, so, you know, um, you, you break that down depending on the yield, depending on the meat, whether it's turkey or whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, pork butt. You have a different yield that comes from it. But, um, you know, we could, we could sit there and load up, you know, a bunch of pits – at night run pork butts overnight so everybody got a nice long you know got a, a good rest because there wasn't you know having to get up and pull part, you know turkey or something like that mm-hmm. and then in the morning turn it over to like pork loins or turkey breast or something that was a much quicker to cook and so we, then we could turn those smokers a couple more times during the day and and you know um, our high water mark was you know i believe it was september 6th and and Um, Last year. So we're coming up on the year anniversary where we did over 55,000 meals in Houston in one day. And we had every pit that we had loaded, and a couple of local barbecue restaurants that that were supporters of ours, we had them load stuff on their pits because we didn't have the capacity to be able to do that. Um, And it was, you know, it was the thought and the vision of basically the owner of the manufacturer of all those pits, he was down there and saw all of this. And he came to us and said, you know, we had a lot of individualized ones there. What if we put five or six of them on a flatbed semi trailer to where you could roll in and they'd be compact right next to each other, take up a little bit smaller footprint and be able to cook. So that'd be great. So we went, started going around and we had to find the the trailer. Which is the easy part because five smokers are about you know twenty twenty five thousand dollars a piece you know so going and finding a flatbed, you know trailer, wasn't that hard we we found one, procured it down in Texas, um, brought it up to uh, Cape Girardeau, and they mounted five you know old hickory pits across this thing. Um, in the meantime, we went to another one of our sponsors, which was Sunbelt Rentals, and Sunbelt Rentals went and said you know, I said, Hey, be great. We have a step deck up here. We're not going to be able to put a smoker up there. It's too high and everything. What if we mounted one of your generators up front? What if you guys gave us, you know, the generator to mount up front? And so we started working on that. And next thing we know, we got a 56 KW generator mounted on the step deck. We got five smokers here. And all of this became, you know, was one piece of the two in this puzzle um, that became the best kept secrets that we've ever been able to keep. I mean, heck, I I could go tell somebody something tomorrow, and it would be out all over the place. But for some reason, everybody knew the importance of, you know, trying to make a a splash with these, and and that's what we did at Walter Reed with that one. The other one is we saw a huge need for a command center. Um, We sat there in a 28-foot box uh, trailer down in Houston that was really a prep kitchen. Um, that the kcbs folks here the kansas city barbecue society had donated to us several years ago we cleaned it out we took the supplies and everything that we were housing out of there put in you know set up tables and we started using it as our mobile command center and it worked okay but we saw a need for something bigger so we started looking at having one built looking at that i mean the cost for some of these things are just astronomical and uh, one of our guys who's in logistics and trucking said hey you ever thought of a NASCAR hauler? It's like, hey, that, that would be pretty awesome because we'd be able to take equipment there too and we might reduce. So, yeah, let's look at it. And, uh, you know, about a week later, he said, yeah, I have found one here in Dallas. And he said, uh, it's been sitting there for about a year, hasn't been run. Um, you know, it's 1994. And uh, the uh, semi's in 95 and we said, well, go look at it. Take your mechanic, one of your mechanics. Let's go look at it. See if this is even something we want to look at. $75,000, you know, for a 94. And uh, we were able to go to one of our partners here, Seaboard Foods. And, and before we ever even finished that deal, got them to sponsor it for the next three years and pay for, the, pay for it. So now we're, we're going into this. We, it was ran all by our volunteers. We gutted it and came back and now we have what i'll call a state-of-the-art you know mobile you know command center
0: um we put it one of a kind kind of a i'd say it's one of
1: a kind because we've taken it we've put our own tech you know the technology in there so we have the wi-fi capabilities we we have satellite tv on there so we can you know we know what's happening out there um we've we've put it you know so when our guys are coming in and gals making those phone calls finding those meals and everything they have a place to do it rather than sitting in an rv they can all be together you know we can have a meeting up in the old lounge area that we've made into a work area as well and so now we can roll in there but the biggest thing is is we can take about you know it probably reduced what we had to drive to a disaster by two 28 foot trailers and maybe maybe two and a half 28 foot trailers of equipment and supplies that we were taking now we don't have to do that. It's all on the semi. So now we can be more choosy. Do we need the bunkhouse to go? So we have a place for people to sleep. Do we need to bring, you know, a couple of our mobile units that we can put into communities so we can have satellite feeding, you know, in different areas. And so it just allows us to be more flexible and if you know for instance with Northern California those are the two things that rolled out of Kansas City and then the, the third one was a semi you know that we rolled out taking a product up there so we didn't have to personally drive vehicles and everything else we could contract that out it's a new expense for us and and you know new logistics that we have to go through but now all of a sudden when those rolled in on site everything rolled out that we needed I mean, we, we we didn't have to go running buy you know aluminum pans at you know, the cash and carry. We didn't have to go to Walmart. We didn't have to do those things because we had the rub, we had the sauce, we had the equipment, all in one place that rolled out at the back of that semi. And so, the the flexibility that it adds, plus a a, a nice showpiece mm-hmm. um, for us, um, you know, shows not just that you know, we're not a bunch of Bar- fat barbecue guys sitting <laughs> on the corner with a couple of Weber grills. You know, we we mean business when we come in there, and we we can um, operate. Bar- it. <laughs> gone, it's gone high okay. tech. It it has, but you know, if we can use the technology to do you know to find more people mm-hmm. to serve, if we can use the technology and and working with you know uh, Weather Service and working with storm spotter, or storm chasers, and everything to find you know areas that we may not have known that were maybe worse affected than where we're at, um, it gives us an opportunity to utilize different pieces of technology and different resources to target areas that we may not have
0: been serving because we didn't know there was need there. How do you, when, when a disaster happens, and let's take Hurricane Harvey, for example, down Good. in the Houston area, uh, you know, the last thing you want to do in a situation like that is, is, is just get in the way of any kind of, real, you know, operations about, recovery rescue those types of things how do you deal with first responders or city leaders about you know hey we're going to come down to help uh who do you get a hold of and how does that process work so you know um i'll
1: address that globally and then i'll address houston because there are two different things that happen you know, globally we work you know through the uh what they're called the VOADs in the different states we're members of most of the volunteer organizations active in disasters Um, we're also a national member now um, of the national VOAD so we try to work through them because they're working directly with the emergency management folks and getting the information on the ground Um, at the same time we're doing that we're working every back channel that we have to find location find need you know, we've got local people on the ground that are either our eyes and ears or the state lead in that area, and they've been building up relationships. You know, through these different meetings they've gone to with the VOADS, where they're getting to meet the emergency manager for that county or the state, and and as we build those relationships and they see our capabilities, you know, um, we want them. You know, we want to be top of mind. I mean, we don't want a disaster to happen, but when it does, we want them to think of our capabilities to provide a hot barbecue meal, something that's comforting, something that means more to them than just a bologna sandwich Mm -hmm. or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, that's how we do it globally, you know, when you take a global approach. Um, Houston was different. Um, The mayor of Houston actually reached out to – to us through some connections and that we have out there and said hey I, I really would like your organization to come in feed all of my workers I've got you know I've got firemen I got police officers I got EMS I've got you know utility workers for the city that are all working 24-7 you know and there's no place to eat come when you come in and feed them we'll give you a, we'll give you a spot to do it from we will we will make sure that you have you know any anything you need, and then you can do your outreach from a centralized location around th- the greater Houston area. It's amazing. And so, yeah, it's pretty humbling to have you know the mayor of the fourth largest city in the United States come to you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and 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 say, hey, can you do this? And we're like, absolutely. We need and, your help. And uh, um, so that was different. We haven't always had that. Um, you know. We had a little bit of that with the, the state of California. The state of California and their Office of Emergency Services actually welcomed us and asked us if we'd come to Northern California after being out there last year for the wildfires. And, and so again, I think the more people see us, the more people hear about us, the more people see the meals that we feed, the you know, the comfort we provide in those meals. I think the more communities, the more, you know, um, governmental side. Will start looking to us to come in and help the communities. How humbled are you
0: by the success of Operation Barbecue Relief? Yeah,
1: that's a. Uh, again, I I never, m- myself or anybody that's part of the organization have never done this for uh, you know us. It's always been for others, but you know uh, I guess uh, selfishly there's always a piece that you want to take some of your time and do something good and feel because it makes you feel good and that's the selfish part of it. You know because you're getting. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I couldn't think of another thing that I could do out there to help people that that would make me, you know, feel this way and be, uh, you know, feel as humbled as I am by the number of people that recognize the work that is being done by the because, you know, as I tell people, nothing happens until our volunteers get on site and start doing anything, nothing that I can do, nothing that will can do or jeff did or any anybody on our, our our leadership team does actually you know until we get on site and we bring in volunteers and they start putting that meat on the smokers and everything nothing's happened and uh, um, we can't do it ourselves and so it's those you know volunteers across the country and and the new volunteers we picked up you know quite a few in northern california every one of these disasters that people find us and uh, we hope that uh you know we hope we never see them again under those circumstances mm-hmm. but uh know that uh, you know we got
0: new members of the barbecue family after that where are you uh, expanding how how big is operation barbecue relief getting here so
1: so if you looked at the disaster map of where we've been right we've we've been in 25 states now to do those 50 disasters um we have we are actively looking in states that we don't have leads in and we have a state lead in probably 60 percent of the states across the united states Um, and the the ones that we don't are either smaller population areas or not really in a an area of concern Um, meaning they're not really in tornado alley they're not on the gulf coast um, now we start looking at, you know, these heat maps and the drought in the, you know, the west of the Rockies and, and everything that's going on there with the fires and going, we need, you know, we have two in California because it's so large. We have a north and a south. Um, we have two in Texas, a north and a south. Um, but we don't have one in Nebraska. They get, they get storms. It's just there's a lot more rural areas. Same thing for Iowa. Um, so we started going through and looking at where we don't have them. Where we don't have that local cheerleader that local person that's out there actively trying to build our volunteer base talk about what we we're doing and actively being part of that voad and and involved with those emergency managers and so those are the areas that we're focusing on um, you know and and looking first at where the higher probability uh, you know for a disaster would be um, and large populated areas you know um we have, we have the great thing is, is there's competition barbecue folks in every state um, I got several people that want to know about Hawaii if we'll relocate them I've, you know jokingly I was like if anybody's relocating to Hawaii to take that job it's going to be me yeah. um, but uh, no it, it, it's, it's one of those things that I mean we have we have people in Hawaii that have asked us hey how do I get involved and, and so we're we're slowly working on trying to make sure that happens And if we could do those things and, you know, be prepared for disasters, continue to educate our our volunteers, train them on our processes, and engage them through these other events, uh, whether it's the fight on hunger events that we're going to be kicking off in the fourth quarter this year or it's, you know the Fort Bragg or the local veteran events that we'll do um, with barbecue boot camp once we get this first one kicked off. I, I foresee us doing you know, local events around Kansas City, Memphis, um, down in Texas where we have a large contingency of volunteers, we have equipment, and, and we'll start in those markets that we have that and then we'll start expanding from
0: there. And all this based in Kansas City, right, or just outside? Just Kansas out, City area. yeah. Basically,
1: we consider the Kansas City metro home, and and yeah, it's based here. Our, our main warehouse, with both of those, both of the big rigs are sitting sitting there, just south of town.
0: Wow. Uh, let's talk barbecue. Uh, sure. All right, and uh, let's let's since you have been all over different parts of the country serving people, uh, let's talk about the different flavors that you sure. encounter or the different. Um, Influences that I think that people would like to put on their own barbecue. Tell sure. us about some of the different tastes that you've experienced so, around the country. You know, I,
1: I think at this point I've pretty much hit you know, well, I know I've hit all the major, you know, you know the te- from Texas to Memphis to the Carolinas. Um, and then you start getting in a little bit deeper now, you know, to the Alabama influence, the Alabama white sauce down into the Mississippi area, which has a very distinct, you know, similar to, similar to Memphis, but sort of a cross between that and, and, and some Carolina. Um, you know, you got a lot of – you've got amazing barbecue – People that are training, going out and training in New York City. What I mean. is Alabama white sauce? What is that? So Alabama white sauce is a barbecue sauce made out of mayonnaise. Mayonnaise, vinegar, salt, pepper, sugar, some, you know, and, um, and the best, some of the best chicken I've ever had is Big Bob Gibson's up in Decatur, Alabama, <laughs> and he's got this Alabama white sauce and he'll oh. take, he'll take a, basically a half chicken right off the pit dunks it into a bucket of this Alabama white sauce, puts it back on there, set that white sauce on there. And it is, it, it it's different, you know, the way I, it's one of those things you either taste it and you're like, that's awesome. Or it's like, Oh my God, that's horrible. Stay away <laughs> from me. Um, and there's not a lot of in between
0: uh, what I've found with it. Hmm. All right. So I'm sorry. I, I think I interrupted you when we were talking about, uh, so we were Alabama, uh, where we're down in the south, we were talking about here. So at, pick, pick, pick it up after the south.
1: So, so yeah, I mean, you, you get down into Florida now, and you get these guys. And the one thing about barbecue that's happening, and you see more and more of, is the, the people that want to open up a barbecue restaurant have be, start becoming um, – you know, get the education that they're going through and going to different regions of the country to focus on what they want. Whether it's um, they're going to focus on a Texas style brisket, but then they want to bring a Kansas City, you know, um, rib or something like that, or burn ins from Kansas City, but then they want to have Memphis style dry, you know. And as you start going around the country, you, you start seeing more and more places pop up that are becoming mashups where. These these pitmasters that are coming in, it's not because they've been doing it. It's not the you know the skylight inns of North Carolina that that it, you know is third generation now sitting there cooking. It's the new guy coming in just loves barbecue, has a passion for barbecue, but he's become a student of barbecue. And and that's a you know buddy of mine up in New York City has one of the hottest barbecue restaurants around New York um, City, and and it's called Hometown and. I mean, he spent six months down in Texas, you know, learning how to do brisket and, and beef ribs. And he has one of the best beef ribs I've ever had in my life.
0: New and York City?
1: It, exactly. It's hard, you know. <laughs> but it, it, it truly shows the, the mashup. I mean, you know, Chicago, you know, is such a foodie town as well. And there's some amazing barbecue up in Chicago. But people don't, you know, don't really, you don't really hear about it. Right, yeah. And, and so I tell people, you know, everywhere you go, you should look. You know, for the barbecue, and look for, you know, and ask, you know, who's good, who should I try, um, because the locals will tell you what they they think's good, um, and uh, you know, I I I still do it. I mean, I do it here in Kansas City because there's new restaurants that open all the time around Kansas City. I have my favorites. You probably have your favorites, right? You know, um, do you share your favorites, by the way? So, you know, I, I'm friends with so many of them that uh, there there's. There's three or four places, you know, everybody knows about Joe's and and they've been they've been good friends and, and, and have known. Jeff Staney for many years, well before OBR, um, and and they, they're they always consistently good. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob McGee and I became friends um, during competition, and and uh, we were neighbors. Uh, at my, the first Grand Championship I ever won, well, the first Reserve Grand Champion, he was Grand Champion. Was oh, um, that right? And we were right next to each other, and then the following year, we were next to each other again at the contest, and we flip-flopped, and that was my first grand championship was um, with him right next to me. And so Rob and I, you know, became friends, uh, you know, from competition. But Rob I, McGee I, from Q39? Yeah, from Q39. And yep. Rob, is, Rob does, you know, as I tell people, it, there's different styles also. You know, um, the gas station, you, you want that kind of atmosphere, you got go to you go down to Joe's. You know, you want to sit down because you're bringing a group of people together, a business meeting or something, you're going to go to Q39. And if you, want, if you want raw, just really great, your downtown, go over and see Joe over at SLAPS. And, and him and his brother are doing a fantastic job over there. They expanded. I haven't been there since they've opened up the out, outdoor area. Um, but, you know, it, they're doing amazing things. Yeah. And then, you know, one of my first friends in Kansas City, you know, before even moving here was meeting Todd Johns. And, and Plowboys is, is, you oh, know, yeah. is a great favorite because it's pretty close to me. I can run up to Blue Springs and go and go see Todd and, and his team up there and, and uh, grab some when, uh, whenever my wife, you know, well, whenever I'm too lazy <laughs> to cook it myself and my wife wants something. or
0: Those are all <laughs> success stories. And it's really, really hard. To have a restaurant i mean it, it is, is it is tough work and and you're seeing restaurants
1: i mean you know i've, I've had i've seen two different barbecue restaurants where i've known the people that uh, that have closed you know uh, that have been around for you know one of them down in texas for like 10 years and and they they're closing moving and not going to reopen um you know another one was out in california you know he's one of the few barbecue restaurants around the, the greater la area and and you know um, it's just the cost of everything. It's not the, that he doesn't love barbecue and didn't want to continue to do it. He just didn't want it to, to consume, you know, his, his entire life to the point that, you know, he was, he was, uh, unable to get out, mm-hmm. um, and, and get away financially from it, uh, in a positive way. And so he, he made a business decision saying, I've got to get out now and, uh, so it, it, it's tough, you know, because – and that's just on the barbecue side. You see it with a lot of restaurants, and it's it, it's a cutthroat world.
0: No question about it. Stan Hayes from Operation Barbecue Relief is joining us here on Signal Hill. Um, you guys are solely nonprofit, right?
1: We are, yeah. We're, we're a 501c3 um, nonprofit, and, uh, um, you know, our, our donations come from, uh, uh, I call it, the you know, a lot – Um, A lot of donations uh, um, from across the country that are not huge donations, but, you know, those are the ones that I'd rather have a lot of little ones than one or two big ones because Mm -hmm. one or two big ones go away, you can't replace them, um, not easily. And so we do get, you know, a good fair share of um, corporate, you know, sponsorships as well, but that at this time still hasn't um, equated to what the – the small donations from people across the country um, give.
0: Uh, aside from money, uh, what what other kinds of items do you guys need?
1: You know, we're always looking for strategic partnerships, uh, you know, to cover things, uh, everything from, you know, uh, we use a lot of number 10 canned vegetables, right? So finding a company that, that, that's in that kind of a business um, would be a great place to be. Um, you know, one of – we had a – i won't call it a partnership but had a a relationship with a an aluminum um, company that you know aluminum pans lids things like that um but over this last year as things uh, continue to harden with that market and everybody that's buying aluminum overseas um, with the embargoes uh, they're just the, the tariffs are killing killing them so they're not donating the pallets of pans that we were getting and and that you think about you know if one full pan is 50 servings and we're doing 10,000 servings in a day you know and you know the same thing is you know one full pan of vegetables is 50 servings you just extrapolate that out how many number 10 you know, or how many full pans i go through and so I've got to find a way, um, and we've been doing some creative ways of using, you know, reusable um, containers, cambros um, with liners in them, but then you have to rely that they get back to you after being used. So there, there's risk in, in all of that. Um, and that's probably right now one of the biggest areas that we have is, is trying to find somebody to fill that void in the aluminum product area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the new one is the logistics of moving um, you know, we have one semi truck, so that's great because I can I can hire a driver, you know, and pay the gas much cheaper than I can you know than paying per mile when when you're using someone else's truck. But to get the second trailer there and the third trailer there, you've got to you've got to hire that out, and so that expense, uh, you know, that's adding to the expense. Uh, if we break it down per meal, it's going to start increasing our cost per meal in doing that. Um, I think it'll be offset in in the reduction somewhat in having to pull as many trailers and having as many people trucking trailers places mm-hmm. um, plus you reduce your risk you know if you have if you have six people driving you know trailers and now you're down to you know three you you just reduce your risk out there and, and something potentially happening breakdown of equipment and and things like that so um, that's the other one. We're, we're, we're actively trying to find some partnerships in the, in the logistic trucking world to help either with the expenses, find a company that wants to sponsor that. I um, mean,
0: there's there's many different things that we could do. And how about volunteers? Are you looking for volunteers? At... I'll,
1: always looking for volunteers. Yeah. And, and you know, um, as I tell people, we want people to travel when possible and to come and help us, especially uh, people that are trained. But we also want to engage in the local, uh, you know, Getting that local volunteer to to come out, like maybe some
0: of the events that you're talking about coming up would be a a, a good opportunity for someone in uh, Kansas City
1: to uh, to volunteer. Absolutely, (laughs) you know we're gonna. um, I don't. I think it was just recently announced, but we'll be back at the this year's marathon. We'll be cooking uh, barbecue, and they're bringing barbecue back to uh, the marathon this year. So the KC Marathon will be at the finish line doing doing barbecue. And, uh, you know, we did that for two years in a row, and then they sort of moved away from that barbecue theme, and they're bringing it back. Um, not too many organizations that can come in and cook, you know, 6,000 uh, <laughs> right. pulled pork sandwiches uh, fresh uh, in the morning. Um, and so we'll be there doing that. We're going to need, you know, a good number of volunteers helping to make sandwiches and push that out. Um, and that's coming October 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to be doing some things around the Royal. We're working with the Royal, and and, and uh, um, they're doing some really uh, – Awesome things with uh, the military veteran side where they're giving away tickets to the Royal this year and we're actually going to be cooking uh, for them. We're going to do a small event, I think, uh, before that up at uh, Fort Leavenworth, a small cook up there um, here actually I think in a week next week. Um, So, uh, you know, there's uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunities and the best thing for people to do if they're at all interested is to, you know, they can start by going to our website and, and clicking that volunteer button. And, and we've, you know, recently just purchased a shorter domain, obr.org. So it, it, it'll just redirect you to the, but, uh, uh that one, when we first uh, tried, somebody has been sitting on it for seven years and we finally were able to negotiate a, a reasonable price, um, to, to get that, uh, Rather than having to type out operation dot org, um, but we've got that they can go there. We've got an app now, a volunteer app. If you're on uh, you know Google Play or iTunes, you go in there and and you just search for Operation or OBR Volunteer App, um, and it'll, it'll pull up. You can download it from there. You can register. And that's better than anything because you'll get a push notification to your phone saying, hey, a new event has been posted. And it could, you know, everything from a disaster to, you know, help at the American Royal to all these different things that could come up. Um, so it, it shows you, uh, you know, the different opportunities that people have.
0: All right, last question for you here. Uh, if you've been on an island for seven years and you've been eating nothing but coconuts and oranges and uh, you were rescued... And you came back to the mainland and you were offered one barbecue item, just one, okay, would it be a rib? would it be a burn in would it be a pulled pork sandwich? Oh, man what would it be?
1: beans <laughs> no there, there it wouldn't be any sides. I can tell you that um, man that that is a you know that's a tough call um It would probably have to be brisket, you know, a, a, you know, a brisket, some white bread, some pickles. I mean, oh, I mean mm. you know, um, it, it, that's a tough one because, you know, most people ask me where the best barbecue is, you know, what region I like the best. And, and I, I tell them there, you know, I love all of them yep. because there's different things in each one of them, right? Whether it's the brisket from Texas, the burnins from Kansas City, dry ribs from Memphis, or... You know, a whole hog sandwich, you know, chopped sandwich from the Carolinas. Um, all of them have their distinct, you know, style, flavor. And uh, so there's not one area of the country that I believe. But, yeah, if it, it, today it's brisket. Tomorrow <laughs> it, could be, it could be a sweet sticky rib, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really <laughs> depends on the day.
0: Oh. Well, it's all good. Uh, especially good, all the work that you've done at Operation Barbecue Relief. We're so happy for your success, and thank you. Uh, well, thank you for for you and for all of your volunteer teams that help all those first responders who go, and also those who've been affected by disasters. I mean, it's um, it's a trying time, and and to get a warm, comforting barbecue meal is just I can only imagine just how thankful some of those people are when they're out there just working their tails off. So. Stan, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Stan Hayes of Operation Barbecue Relief on Signal Hill. Relief, as in barbecue relief. Stan Hayes with Operation Barbecue. Great to catch up with him and his expanding uh, operation, not only here serving the Midwest, uh, but also helping folks in Northern California, those devastating wildfires. And as we heard some stories uh, from Hurricane Harvey down in Houston, Texas, Stan and and all of the volunteers, thank you so much. You do a a great work for a lot of people who really need it in desperate times. Check out Signal Hill by going to foxworkkc.com and click on the podcast tab. Subscribe to Signal Hill. We'd love to have you click that button. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And be sure to check out our website for new episodes. I'm Nick Vastos, and thanks for listening to Signal Hill.